Hi, it's Dr. John Newfeld here. Welcome to Back to the Bible Canada. You know, we've got a special treat today. Uh, Steve Bray is a pastor from Newfoundland, from St. John's, and it's delightful to have someone to come all the way to the West Coast, Steve, to have you join us, and uh, it's delightful to also to listen to your accent. Uh, we don't often get someone from Newfoundland here, but uh, we do today. I've also come to know you as a fine Bible teacher, and so it's a joy for you to take this one week at the microphone and share the Word of God with us. Welcome to British Columbia, and welcome as well to Back to the Bible Canada. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Newfeld. It is a joy, an honor, and a privilege to be here. It's my first time on this end of the country of Canada. Uh, thank you for the little tour on our way in, and it was beautiful, and I really do appreciate it. Again, I wish to say a huge thanks to Brother John and Back to the Bible. I've known this broadcast since the days of Woodrow Kroll and have been blessed by it so, so much. And I do pray for Back to the Bible and for Dr. Newfeld asking God to bless this very important ministry, but even more, asking God that the resources would be there for this important broadcast to reach from coast to coast to coast in Canada. And while anyone can have access to Back to the Bible via the downloadable app and on the internet, coming from St. John's, Newfoundland, I long for and pray that Back to the Bible can be made available on the radio there too as well, as every other province in this great country of Canada. I am a native Newfoundlander, born and raised, and have had the joy of pastoring Calvary Baptist Church in St. John's, and I want to thank Calvary as well for allowing me the time to study and travel and be a part of this wonderful ministry for God's glory. Newfoundland is a beautiful and rugged province with a reputation for friendliness and hospitality, and I ask for the listening audience of Back to the Bible to join me in praying for Newfoundland and for Canada and the gospel of Jesus Christ to be proclaimed, and that many will hear and respond to him. I'm honored to spend this week with you and read, study, and understand God's word together. We live in an age of mixed messages, false advertising, or misleading at best, folks who say one thing and do another. In our country today, I think a huge question being asked is this, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, let me ask another question first. Do you know Jesus? In our culture of 2016, many folks have heard of Jesus. Some may even know about Jesus. But my question is, do you know Jesus? Does knowing Jesus change us? If we ask the average person, what does knowing Jesus mean? We will get a variety of answers. But worse is ask the average Canadian, what does knowing Jesus do for a person? And the tragic response might well be, not much. All too often, what we say we know and what we do are completely different things. Let me give you an illustration. I know of bungee cords. Some would say I even know about bungee cords, but I can boldly proclaim here for a Canadian audience, I don't believe in bungee cords. You see, my knowledge of them, that they exist or the science behind it, has not affected my belief in them. Now, I'll watch others do it, even tell people about them, but I myself will not go several hundred feet in the air, let a stranger and attach an oversized elastic band to my back, and with a huge smile, slight giggle, and a quick shove on my back, yell, jump. Now, I submit that that is how we often know about, think about, or talk about Jesus. Now, does the Bible address this? 
definitively yes. Tim Keller puts it like this, it's not enough to believe the gospel with your head, it must become operational in your heart. So I would like to take a journey through the fourth chapter of Ephesians with you all this week to see practically how knowing Jesus transforms us, specifically in five different ways. Knowing Jesus changes our goals, our destiny, our outlook, our lifestyle, and our relationships. What we call the book of Ephesians is actually a letter written by Paul the Apostle while under house arrest in Rome. In Ephesians 1, the Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is writing a letter to saints who are in churches in the city of Ephesus. Now, the church at Ephesus is a remarkable church. God used Paul to plant the church there, and it grew and had incredible influence. In Acts 19, we read that Paul spent over two years in this wonderful city, and God moved so much that verse 10 of Acts 19 says, This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So God inspires Paul to write to this growing, influential church. And what does he write about? What it means to know Jesus. How the gospel transforms us. If you read the New Testament of the Bible, you'll quickly see that God used Paul to write almost half of the books that make it up. You'll also notice that Paul uses a very similar style. The first half of his letters are often, let me tell you about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the gospel or how God saves through Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Then the second half of his letters call us to respond to that truth or explains how that truth affects us. In other words, how knowing Jesus changes us. <laughs> yes, I'm repeating myself, but it's for a purpose and with a direction, I promise so stay with me today and this week, and we'll see it together. In Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, Paul lays out what God has done for us. In chapter 1 verse 3, Paul says, Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In verse 5 of chapter 1, we find out, In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will. Then in verse 7, he says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Paul goes even further and says that knowing Jesus results in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Finally, Paul sums up this glorious gospel in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 1. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So, knowing Jesus, not just about him, not just of him, results in trusting in him, belief in him, who he is, what he has done, what he says, what he promises to do. And if you and I will believe in, trust in Jesus, really know him, we are blessed, 
We are loved. We are adopted. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. We have an inheritance, a promise, an assurance. We have the truth. We are sealed. Do you see it? We are changed in every way, in every aspect of our lives. I don't know about you, but I just go, wow. Are you starting to see the profound impact that knowing Jesus has on a life, on our lives? In chapter 2, Paul explains how this happens. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Paul tells us that we were dead in our sin. In other words, we are not sinners because we do bad things. We do bad things because we are sinners. From the best of us to the worst of us, we all fail, fall short. But God the Father, with a great love, sent Jesus to live the life we couldn't live and wouldn't live, and he lived it for us. Then he died the death that we deserve, paid the price we couldn't pay. Jesus has done it all for us, and that's what Paul means in verse 8 of chapter 2. We get saved, we are made right with God, by God, through Jesus. So we can't earn it, you can't boast in it. We can't trust in ourselves. It's not our ability or your ability to be good, nice, or kind. It's not your mind or logic. It's not your strength or your stamina. It's all a gift. But notice the result. We are his workmanship. And the Greek word there is pomia, where we get our English word for poem or poetry. God saved us to be his poetry. Of what? His grace, His love, and His mercy. We are changed and transformed by this grace, mercy, and love as it ends with that we should walk in them. Such an important topic we're looking at today, not only for the church, but in the context of where our society is headed. It's not just enough to know a few things about Jesus, but to actually know Him is an entirely different matter that changes everything about us. Pastor Steve has given us a great introduction so far, and when we come back, we'll discover more about how knowing Jesus changes our goals or what we live for.
Have you checked out our new website? Well, recently we've improved the look and usability of backtothebible.ca. Now you can search for broadcasts from the archive, download all of the programs, plus it's mobile optimized for all of your devices. So be sure to visit the site regularly for all that's happening in the ministry. Visit backtothebible.ca today. Now let's go back to the Bible with Pastor Steve Bray. Then Paul finishes explaining the theology of knowing Jesus in chapter 3 of Ephesians. Paul tells this church, and now today is telling us, that God is and can be trusted. He tells the church to not lose heart in verse 13 of chapter 3, and then writes out a prayer for the church about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and what will motivate them and protect them and encourage them and change them. And he finishes it with these words, starting in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now we come to chapter 4. Paul moves from the why to the how, from the motive to the results. So what does knowing Jesus mean? Well, he starts in chapter 4 by pointing out that knowing Jesus changes our goals, what we live for. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Did you see it? Oh, sorry. Did you hear it? (laughs) Paul urges us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. In other words, live out what you know to be true about Jesus and you. And when you do this, It will affect your goals for life. D.A. Carson puts it like this. How would our life goals change if we were planning not only for 70 years of existence here, but also for eternity? Now we see the power and beauty of humility. It's not weakness, but dependent strength. We can be and will strive to be gentle and patient with others and even with ourselves to be at peace. It's not based on my performance or yours, but rather resting in what God has done in the person of Jesus. So now we have a goal, not to look out for ourselves, but to literally bear with others in love. Actually, looking for ways to work together. Now, this doesn't mean forsaking truth or compromising, but rather it's a goal of patience and long-suffering. Just as God has worked in your life, He will work in others. So we can now pray more passionately and patiently. We can take our time to explain going to God's word and letting God's spirit do the work in someone else that he has done in you. You now know what's most important. We can now have goals built on someone and not something. See the seven ones of the passage, one body, the church, we're a family of God. We know Jesus, trust him and follow him. One spirit. That is the Holy Spirit who possesses us when we know Jesus. 
Because we are now family and we're joined, we have one hope, that is Jesus and the salvation he lived and died and rose to give us. So, of course, we have one Lord. This is Paul assuring that there is only one way to be saved. Luke writes about this in Acts 4.12, that there's only one name under heaven whereby we can be saved, and that's Jesus Christ. And then we have one faith, that is, one object of our faith, and one baptism. When we know Jesus, we're joined to him. That is, he identifies with us, and we then identify with him. And all this is culminating in one God. But notice, and Father. Because of Jesus and through the Spirit, God moves from judge to Father. This is what it means in John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Friends, do you know Jesus? If you do, it changes your goals. Your goal is now different. It's focused on Jesus, not yourself. It's focused on eternity and not the temporary. But it affects the here and now. When you know Jesus, you have patience. You have humility. You have peace. And you have a goal for real unity that's based on truth. Yes, this is what knowing Jesus in a relationship of trust does and means. But before we finish today, do you want to know Jesus? Then I urge you to turn to his word. Get back to the Bible. Cry out in prayer. And I assure you on the truth of God's word that he will make himself known to you and it will change you from the inside out forever. Now tomorrow, we'll see how knowing Jesus changes our destiny. Will you join me? I hope you will. Pastor Steve, let's talk about a number of areas. I mean, I think first and foremost, you're telling us that the book of Ephesians really is a book about transformation. To know Christ transforms who we are. The actual act of conversion changes us on the inside. Now, I think that's foundational, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think it's what we often miss in churches today. We, we provide kind of a propositional gospel instead of a transformational gospel. Uh, ascend to a few facts, and then you go on your way. But this knowing Jesus changes you radically, eternally. And I think we need to enjoy the richness of that from God's Word because that that's life-lasting. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, help us out here because I do know that there are individuals who have a kind of a believism, what you call a, a propositional gospel. I think you mean by that, that we simply believe certain things about Christ, and I think you alluded to that, uh, but people are unchanged. So what's going on when that happens? Well, again, I think it's when we treat the Bible like an encyclopedia. It's a, a bunch of facts, dates, figures, men, things, but we're not really understanding what it means to believe in. It's to become a follower. If I believe in something, it's like my illustration with the bungee cord. If I believed in it, I would let someone, a stranger I've never met, strap this oversized elastic band to my back, and I'd leap. When you believe in Jesus, then we get back to the Bible, and we believe what God says in his word about 
Jesus, about us, about how we live. And we realize that it's not some cosmic ogre trying to just get his way over our lives, but a real God as Father who loves us. And we trust him in that. Yeah, that's that's excellent. Now, I want to chase a couple of thoughts as well that you mentioned. One of the things that I've noticed is you were reading some of the Ephesians passages. The amount of times there's the word one, you know, one God, one Father, one Savior, all these kinds of things. There is an exclusiveness around the gospel. Um, you know, it, it Christ alone, yes? There is no other form of salvation. Really politically incorrect, yes? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, one of the most formidable things that were ever said to me when I was a young adult was that any way I want to choose to live will get me to God. But only one road or one way of living gets to me to God as Father and not judge. And that's why I think that that John 14, 6 passage is so important. And I think that's really what Paul is expanding on. If you want to know God as Father, there is a way to do that. You have to know His Son, Jesus Christ. And that is exclusive. That really is exclusive. Yeah, so I think we need to to say that, especially in today's multi-religious context. Uh, Steve, I think you'd agree with me. We're not trying to be unkind to those individuals that would not hold this. We're simply saying that there is only one way to approach God and that God has, in fact, told us the way in which he is to be approached. Absolutely. And if you really look around at your life, there are all kinds of things that we interact with that there's only one way to do it and to do it right. Or even when we say there's multiple ways, there's one way that does it best. And Jesus Christ is the one way. He's the best way. He's the only way for us to truly know God as our Father. So we approach the the Father through the Son, and that when we do so, this is, I think, to put us all together. You've said when we approach the Father through the Son, that in that kind of an approach, everything changes. I mean, the ground shifts, yes? It really does. You get different goals. So now the way, and it's interesting because it's, it's exclusive, but inclusive, because we invite everybody. We want everyone to be a part of it, and now my goals have changed to be patient and loving and invite people in to this inclusive exclusivity. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Has the gospel and knowing Jesus changed your outlook in life? When we become a child of God, it ought to transform us from the inside out. As Pastor Steve has explained, knowing Jesus changes our goals, for we no longer live for ourselves but for Him, and our perspective is eternal, not worldly. I hope that today's teaching from the book of Ephesians has blessed you richly in your journey of faith. Be sure to listen tomorrow as we continue our special series, Knowing Jesus, How the Gospel Changes Us, with guest speaker, Pastor Steve Bray. Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. What's the secret to a happy life? Is it money, status, relationships? Well, in studying the book of Proverbs, we find a very different answer. If we want to be content, we must learn how to live well. And living well can only come from having wisdom, known as skill in living. Earlier this month, Dr. Neufeld covered the subject of wisdom in his one-week series called Skillful Living. In it, he helps us grasp not only the importance of finding true wisdom, but learning how to apply it in our own lives, at whatever stage we find ourselves. So don't miss this chance to get the series on CD as our free gift to you before time runs out. 
call us at 1-800-663-2425. That's 1-800-663-2425. Or email us at info at backtothebible.ca. Or you can always listen anytime and anywhere by subscribing for our audio mail or downloading our Back to the Bible Canada app from the Apple or Google Play Store.